Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Kate Hoppick is a physician whose own five-year struggle with infertility led her into infertility and life coaching. Her goal is to help you learn how to navigate your own journey with confidence and clarity to make decisions that are right for you. To learn more, email her at kate at fertilityfound.com or her website fertilityfound.com. Kate and I have a very honest and vulnerable discussion about imposter syndrome, including her own journey through infertility. Hi, Kate. It's so good to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So let's talk about your experience with imposter syndrome. So I feel like this is something that now that I know what imposter syndrome is, I have actually had for years, like even before I got into medicine. And it's interesting because I think it created this belief system in my brain, right? Like started when I was in um, high school is kind of the first time I can really remember it. And I was, I had two parts. It was like, I was um, playing soccer really competitively and I always had this like, oh, you're just not good enough. Like there's always going to be people better than you, no matter what team you get to or what level. Or even when I got into college, I was, I played D1 and I only played for a year for some knee injuries, but even still it was like, I don't belong here. And so there was that part. Um, and then there was this part of school, you know, I, I didn't always do well in some of my classes. And I even remember the first time I thought about going to medical school, I just thought, you're crazy. No way. Like there's, you know, there's so many people who would be better at it. And luckily I had a few really amazing women in my life when, um, you know, as I went through um, college and my first few jobs out of college. And there was one woman in particular who I worked with when I, um, my first job was a research coordinator and this amazing woman who had her PhD and I, I worked with her and she just kept talking about how I could do anything. And she said, you'll never know unless you try, you know, just send, you know, take the test, send an application. I had done my prereqs for med school, not thinking I would go to med school just as part of um, my curriculum and what my major and minor were. And I did, and I applied to a couple schools and I got in and I thought, this is amazing. And then I thought again, what am I doing here? <laughs> and it just kept going, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, I would succeed at something and think, okay, as soon as I get there, I'll feel better. You know, I have this like arrival fallacy, right? Like as soon mm -hmm. as I get there, as soon as I start, you know, as soon as I get out of the classes in med school and I actually get to go see patients, then I'll know, then I'll be there and people will see that I'm good at this and, and I belong. And then it, you know, went to residency. So, oh, okay. But as soon as I get to intern year, no, no, no. As soon as I'm a senior resident and on and on it went. Um, and, and then into my first job, which I've actually been at the same job um, now for just over five years. And I'm so grateful to be there because I had, again, another group of really amazing supportive women who kind of helped remind me that I did belong there. Mm 
Um, but I think that it's just really interesting that it wasn't until I started doing work with coaches that I actually could acknowledge that this was something that had been going on for so long and that there were just all of these thoughts in my head about um, why I didn't belong or what the reasons were mm -hmm. um, or who should be there instead of me. It wasn't until I actually got curious about why I was thinking those things that I was able to start doing work on it. And I mean, it's been, you know, 20 years of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. So that's such a good story. And I think it's such a relatable story for so many people. A couple of things I want to touch on that you brought up. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned with soccer that you had this thought kind of together that you weren't good enough because there were always people better than you. And mm -hmm. I think this is a super common thought. And it's so interesting now that you now, you know, for those who can kind of really question the thoughts that we have and like, do they make sense? Because we, as women, I think do this all the time, that if we're not like the best, whatever, best mom, best doctor, best student, then it's not good enough. Exactly. And yeah. it's so fascinating, I think, because like we are ignoring the 25 30 hundreds of people who are not who want to be as good as we are and we're focusing on the you know two to five percent of people who are above us and that's just a recipe for you know just dis disappointment yeah I mean it's that comparisonitis right mm -hmm. where you know there's always it's all about kind of bringing it back down to gratitude you know because so often you just think about, oh, I wish I had that, but there's always somebody else who wishes they had yep. what you have, you know, and just that vicious cycle instead of it being about, you know, what if we all are great? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be better. I don't have to be better. Nobody's worse. Nobody's better. We're all just wonderful exactly the way we are. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that's really hard to wrap your mind around when our society starting in sports, you know, and in school is all about, well, are you on the best team? Mm -hmm. You know, did you win the tournament? Did you get, you know, are you at the top of your class? Were your scores good enough? Mm -hmm. Will you be able to succeed in life if you're not the best? Because so much of what we go through is about being the best in mm -hmm. order to get to the next spot you know, the yeah. next place. So, and then again, that just keeps going into that vicious cycle of feeling like things will be better when, mm -hmm. um, and feeling like I'll be better. I'll feel better about myself when I've arrived, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's an, I think it's a, it takes a mindset shift because instead of seeing those people who are better at a better than us at something and saying like, that's what's possible for me. Mm -hmm. It's, it feels like a threat, like, Oh, I'm, I'll never be that good. And if we can have a little bit more of the growth mindset and say like, okay, that's where I can be. Like I can get there and really shift it. Then it becomes more of like, how can I grow? This is a goal of mine. Like, this is a really exciting. Let's, let's, let's find the journey to get to that point instead of feeling less than because that's what is going to really tear us down. Exactly. The next, 
Sorry. The next thing I did want to mention was the thing that you just brought up again was this arrival fallacy. I love that. I love that you said that terminology. That's really awesome. And it's this, that's the same thing that happened to me when I became an attending this now what? Like you get, you think that you're going to get somewhere automatically and then eventually feel like this is it. My life is complete, but no one ever tells us that you never feel like that. Like you're never going to feel that. Totally. It's yeah. It's crazy that I mean, the very first time I even heard about that or like read an article about it was within the past year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shouldn't this have been something that we were told? Yeah. Um, You know, and you actually, you see it everywhere, right? Like um, you think about movie stars, you always hear about the, or these child stars, Mm -hmm. right. Who really struggle, you know, or musicians or whatever you hear about it in the news as an society, but nobody ever actually explains it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that, so many people think if I'm just, you know, if I just end up being um, a movie star or I end up being um, this professional athlete or the best surgeon in my, you know, state or whatever that ends up being, that the only way to really feel at peace with yourself and confident is, is not about where you're getting, but about the work that you do on yourself mm-hmm. um, so that you can, you can be happy and confident at any stage of your life, wherever you are. And I think that's really important. And that's something that I, I really hope that we can start teaching our med students and our mm-hmm. residents about more. Cause I think that sets people up for success really is about um, having honest conversations about challenges that can come up and how you can really get so much out of your life at every stage of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that to take away that competition factor that everybody had for so long ingrained in their mind and to really make it a community of everybody lifting each other up and how we can just make everything better when we do that. And there's enough space for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no scarcity here. Like we can all be great doctors, great people like you and me. We talk, we've talked about this sometimes like great moms. Like, I mean, that's another factor, right? Like, am I a good enough mom? Am I, you know, as I'm balancing being a mom and a doctor and all of these other hats that you're, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're wearing. And so I think it's just about showing each other that we can really lift each other up and support each other and that we're all, enough. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that you, you know, that you bring up that's no, no, none of us are just physicians or just moms or just a spouse. Like we're all multi multi-dimensional. And if we are so focused on being the best at, at one thing, then we're neglecting everything else about us. And what that is going to do eventually is really kind of shift the balance. And it leads to us feeling a lack of fulfillment really and the point that you that you made so eloquently is that really it's about the journey like no day nothing is ever going to be better than now like this is it and this is like in you're in charge of how you feel because of the thoughts that you have and just because you graduate from residency or you get that award, like that's going to feel good for about four seconds. And then you're back in the own, you're in your own mind. And yeah. I think that's, we are missing that lesson. Yeah. And 
That's such a good point, thinking, kind of bringing it back to like those dopamine hits that we all are so used to having. You know, you, you graduate, you match, you win some award, mm-hmm. you do something that, and you, you get some kind of um, compliment from somebody who quote unquote matters or who knows, whatever it is in kind of your professional life. Um, and you get that, that hit of dopamine and you think, oh my gosh, see, it is because I made it, you know, that's why I feel good. But that only lasts for a few minutes. It's about really um, kind of it coming from within and then not just being these external factors of what makes you feel good for just those, you know, few moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's switch gears a bit. And I want to talk because you mentioned that coaching was instrumental for you to overcome mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. And it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart as well. So can you mind talking a little bit about that and how it helped you? Sure. So my first experience with a coach actually was um, a little over a year ago when I was really struggling through infertility. And I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility um, when right after I got married and my husband and I had been trying and we're not getting pregnant. And so for a while, I was just in this kind of place, a dark place, I think, which a lot of women experience when all you really want is a child, if that's what you want, and not being able to have that. And then again, this loop of these belief systems of thinking, oh, it's because blank, it's because of me, or it's because of this. And, and that really ate away at me a lot. And I, I actually was very lucky. My, my first son, um, we had with the help of, uh, of REI, but, um, after I had him, we, and it was only a few months. So I felt very blessed because that part of our journey was, was quicker, so to speak in the infertility world. Um, but when we tried to have our second son, I struggled even more and had more tests, more procedures, ended up with additional diagnoses, um, endometriosis and, uh, poor egg quality. And, um, there were all of these things that I was trying to do to control everything. And I was really losing myself in the process. I was missing out on being present with my first son. And cause all I could think about was I, I need to find a way to have another baby. And, you know, I've been in control of so much for, you know, for all of these different things in my life. And I just felt like I was losing control. So that's how I found the first coach is I said, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm losing myself here. And this woman was wonderful. And she really helped me have that introduction into thought work. Mm-hmm. And kind of, and it helped with my, like, I would get into analysis paralysis, like, oh, if I just research one more thing, if mm-hmm. I just, if I reach out to every expert, you know, I'm a doctor, I should be able to figure this out. She really helped me see that um, my, this want of control, um, how it was harming me because of all of the thoughts I had in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was really putting myself down when things didn't work. Um, so, so that was the first part and 
I went through IVF for about a year and I was able to get pregnant with my second son. And then the arrival fallacy comes back mm-hmm. because I said, oh, if I can just get pregnant, I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't done coach work for a while and I was really struggling. So I got pregnant and then COVID hit and I was like, man, this is really rough. You know, I just had all these thoughts about, I can't believe, you know, I went through IVF and I have all of this fear about something happening to the baby. And now there's mm-hmm. this new virus and we have no idea what it means and what does it mean for pregnant women and for babies and, you know, all of this yeah. stuff. So that led me into another coaching program, which was with women physicians. And it was with Empowering Women Physicians and Sunny Smith, who I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people have heard about. And yeah. it was wonderful. I It opened up my mind to all of these possibilities. And I just was able to get much deeper into the thought work. So I feel mm-hmm. like I scratched the surface the first time. And this time, it was very relatable for me because I was surrounded by really fascinating and empowering women physicians. And that resonated for me. Mm -hmm. And so, and so much so I actually became a coach. That's awesome. (laughs) But it was, it was really wonderful. So that's kind of um, what led me to it was really Mm -hmm. my infertility struggle was the start. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the insecurities that I had because of that journey um, to kind of get me out on the other side. Yeah. It's so interesting. So coaching, I think you kind of, I, I found my way into coaching actually through weight loss. So it's like these, but then you realize when you get into coaching and you realize like the thought, this thought work Mm -hmm. is so like, you get, you just need to learn it for one topic and then it can, can, you just realize the power that it has over everything. So I think it's amazing. Yeah, totally. It is like, I can't believe it's applicable to everything because I did not do it for work, but wow, did that help Mm -hmm. in that category too. And then it did, it helps in all of my relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that I show up for people, um, I'm really proud of that, you know, of finding ways to, to just show up better mm-hmm. for people. And you're able to do that with your family, your friends, your patients, you know, and, yeah. and everybody else around you. Yeah. You mentioned the, you know, this feeling of con- having to have control. And I can certainly relate to that. I think a lot of people can too. And how we, the meaning we who need to have control, <laughs> think that, the more control that we have over something, the better that will feel. And you brought up a really great point here is that what actually happens is you start to like unravel almost when you realize that you're trying to tightly hold everything together and there's so little that you can control. And that's a really big, that was a really big shift for me to realize like there are just so few things that I can control, but the one thing that I can are the thoughts that I'm thinking. And as a control freak, that made me feel really good because I could just release my concern about controlling the world around me and everyone around me and my job and just say like, if I'm going to be controlling, I know what I can control and it's going to make my life better. And it's the thoughts that I have. So I think that's a really good point that you brought up about 
the need for control and how much that can really negatively impact our lives. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because it is it's one of those things where you just use up so much mental energy on things you cannot change, you know, and when you are able to release that, it doesn't mean it doesn't still make you feel bad, right? Because of your thoughts about whatever's happening. But when you're able, able to release that feeling of, oh, if I just do A, B, C, D, E to control this, I'll feel better because I'll have this solution or something. Mm -hmm. Much mental energy that when you realize that that's, you, you can't control that, but you can control the way that you're thinking, like you were saying, mm -hmm. it just opens up so much space for so much else that you couldn't even see. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, you're blocking a lot because of all of that um, effort you're putting into controlling the uncontrollable. So it's, it's really, it's so true. So, so in your recent transition from physician to coach, has the imposter syndrome popped up for you at all? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, and one thing you learn with coaching, right, is that coaching does not like just completely eliminate fear or doubt or any of these other emotions. You're just able to recognize them and how it's your thoughts that are causing those feelings, mm -hmm. you know? So, and we have these belief systems for so many years that we're just constantly poking holes into them, right? To say, you know, every new thing I do, oh, I don't know, I'm not good enough. I can just poke a few more holes in it and say, mm -hmm. no, you know, keep going, look at what you can offer. Um, and really, in my mind, you know, because I've had a lot of doubt, of course, about any transition, you know, coaching. Um, I'm really excited about what I'm doing, because I, I'm going to be, you know, and the people that I'm working with are really women who are struggling with infertility. And, of course, this is very near and dear to my heart, because all I wanted, like, as soon as I found coaching, I just thought, well, first off, I wish I had had this in med school, mm -hmm. but really what I thought was, oh my gosh, this would have helped me so much when I started my fertility journey. Mm -hmm. And as much doubt as I have about all of these new things, just like I did with medicine, I just keep thinking about how helpful this will be to other women and mm -hmm. how important it is that as many of us as there are just keep getting this message out that mm -hmm. we can help other women. And to me, that's so powerful that that overcomes my doubt. And so those are the thoughts that I focus on mm -hmm. each woman. I talk to each woman. I help each woman who reaches out to me with a struggle. I just think about like, this is worth it. You know, mm -hmm. all of this discomfort, you know, that I have in my own head, <laughs> Yeah. Just like we all do. Mm -hmm. It's all worth it because I am going to be part of helping somebody else on their journey. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, that's, I mean, that's everything. That's why we got into medicine in the first place, yeah. you know, is it's all about just helping making the world just a little bit better because of the way we approach things. And it's not just all 
the medicine and the science. It's about really just being present for whatever somebody needs, whatever your patient needs, whatever a client needs, whatever a friend needs, you know, just being present and non-judgmental and, and supportive and helping other, other women really get in tune with themselves of what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And so they have the confidence to make choices that are right for them. You know, coaching is not about saying, do things this way. Mm -hmm. It's really about helping other people see clearly what, what they need and what they want. And, um, and just getting curious about their own thoughts so they can really start to feel better because they can recognize what's happening in their own brain. Yeah. Two things that you said there that I really want to point out. The first thing is about the stories that we tell, right? And especially with imposter syndrome, our brains are just telling us a story that's not true, but no one ever told us that. So we can tell us or tell ourselves a different story, anything we want and do something that makes us feel better. And the second thing you said, which I really, really love is that when you turn the focus on how you're helping other people, it will get you out of the mindset of I'm an imposter. When you're like, no, like I, if I hold myself back here, other people are not going to be able to benefit. And I know I can help them and I want to help them. And I think especially for physicians, that is such a key component to overcoming imposter syndrome because it turns the focus out of from you and your and your own concerns and your worries and puts it on your ability to help other people which is a game changer yes yeah it really is and i think that just like in medicine um you can apply this to all components of your life i'm applying it to coaching you know just like as i feel like as a doctor i'm always learning I'm always going to look for other things that I can use to help my patients, Mm -hmm. you know, new, new articles that come out about a, you know, a drug or, um, or even just learning how to relate to somebody, you know, better so I can help them feel at ease or not feel scared. Mm -hmm. You know, you can apply the same thing to everything that you do and, it comes back to the journey, right? It's not about being this, you know, who you imagine is like perfect or the best. It's about, you know, continuing to find ways to just help others. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that it's like how, when you focus on gratitude, you can really conquer anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, um, and I can't think of what that saying is right now, but it's really when you focus on all of the things that you're grateful for, all of a sudden your brain shifts and you're not mm-hmm. thinking about all the things you're anxious about. And the same thing can apply to imposter syndrome and, and that focus of, but look at how I can help, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So let's end with some advice that you'd have for women who are feeling like they're not good enough or something's wrong with them. What would, what, what would you want to tell them? I mean, it's such a loaded question. Cause I feel it like is. there's so much. <laughs> you have to just pick a few. That's the hard part. <laughs> um, I mean, I would start by just saying that you're enough. 
that nothing that you think that you've been through or that, you know, somebody has said to you or a situation where you felt insecure, anything that's happened in your past, you know, that's made you feel bad or doubt yourself does not get to dictate where you're going. And we have the control to really create a lot of wonderful things in our lives. And sometimes we need some people along the way to help show us that and support that. And we're there, you know, there are lots of us who have been through something similar. So Mm -hmm. whatever you're going through, there's somebody who's been through something similar. And just by reaching out, you know, there are a lot of us who want to just help pick you up Mm -hmm. and make sure that you feel supported so you can find your own way. And you will get there and you are enough. And just knowing that, you know, and just saying for today, I don't have to know how I'm going to get to, you know, this, this dream I have, whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. Um, But I just know that I'm enough today and I'm doing everything that I can today. And I'm not alone. I have a lot of women out there who will help me too. Mm -hmm. And I think the more of us that speak up about anything that we're going through, whether it's imposter syndrome, infertility, um, struggles as being a mom or a working Mm -hmm. mom or a physician um, or anything, you know, the more of us that speak up and help each other, um, we'll continue to move the needle in the right direction and, and you will get there. Awesome. Thank you, Kate, so much for your time tonight. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah. Thank you.